Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. I've been seeing a couple of uh, stories making the rounds on social media, headlines, you know, sort of like uh, how Israel helped to spawn Hamas uh, and how for years Netanyahu propped up Hamas and now it's blown up in our faces. And uh, these are stories that are being spread around. It kind of seems like they're trying to say that the reason why Israelis were murdered, beheaded, raped, tortured, burned alive, all of that was because of Israel, I guess. So uh, I came across another piece uh, today, actually, by David Harsani at TheFederalist.com. And so I wanted to have him on to talk about this piece and to help us sort through it. He is the senior editor at TheFederalist.com. Uh, he's also a nationally syndicated columnist, author of five books. And from what I understand, he's working on a sixth because that's what uh, that's what these people do. They just keep writing more and more books. David, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well. Everyone's got to make a living, you know. <laughs> that's right. well, can you tell us at all what the uh, what the sixth book is about or is it still like under under wraps? It's still under wraps. It's uh, I mean, it will, you know, kind of dive into the the sort of paranoia and conspiracies that fuel a lot of the sort of progressive left-wing politics of contemporary America. Well, that seems like there's a nexus point to what we saw uh, come out of Israel uh, last weekend. Uh, seems like there's a lot of overlap. I think a lot of more overlap than a lot of people considered. I, I mean, it's kind of been surprising to me. I've actually just started a, a Twitter list for people to follow, and I'm just populating it with uh, what I call team baby beheading rapists because they've come out and declared for that team and these people on Twitter. And it's kind of been shocking how easily people have been able to do it. It's this, uh, oh, but what about this dismissal approach, this dis- uh, this deflection? I know you've seen it. You've, you've uh, talked about it on your podcast with Molly, uh, Molly Hemingway uh, called You're Wrong. People should check that out. I subscribe to it. It's a good podcast. And um and you were also on the Federalist Radio Hour, or the Federalist Hour, I should say, um, uh, talking about it as well. Um, and you said something during that podcast, and I'd like to just kind of tease it out a little bit. Because you, you mm-hmm. said, I am on the side of civilization. You know, like, that sounds kind of culturalist, just as a heads up there. <laughs> I don't know if you... <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, yeah, to- I don't I don't I don't care what it sounds like. I mean, it is a fact and we should in a truth, a moral truth and a historical truth. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, uh, you know, anyone who lives in Gaza doesn't deserve the same kind of, uh, you know, freedom or defense that that anyone else does in a more civilized place. But the fact is um that you can be on the side of people who kill babies and you can be on or you can be on the, the the side that protects civilians right now that that is as clear as can be i don't think it could be any clearer since since maybe 911 or since isis was around uh where you stand uh if you you might have had you know participated in a pro palestine march you know 2 months ago and you may again in the future but if you did it the day that hamas was killing babies then you're a pro hamas marcher 
And I don't really see any reason why we should pretend otherwise. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this, uh, as your headline says. Let's talk about the idiotic claim that Israel supported Hamas. And I got to tell you, when I first started seeing these stories, I thought, really? That's crazy. And I saw a couple of pulled quotes from articles, and I thought, wow, it sounds like they, they supported Hamas. What, what is this about? What, where does this story come from? It's a difficult one, you know, to, 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 it's, how can I say, it's like kind of a misinformation or disinformation that is driven by, by complete lack of context, you know, historical context. So, um, it would be my analogy in the pieces that it would be like condemning someone today for not making a citizen's arrest of OJ Simpson in 1986. Do you know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. 1976. When Hamas started, it was not a violent organization. It was an organization that built hospitals and, uh, you know, had all kinds of services for for, pe- for refugees and in Gaza and elsewhere. Um, Israel was indifferent to it and let it, let, you know, let it be. They are they they legally registered themselves in Israel in 1978. Um, I think they were formed in 70 in 67, sort of an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, and um, Israel let them. Exist. It wasn't until maybe the late '80s that Hamas began to become more, you know, violent and, and participate in the intifadas and, and, and all that. Um, Israel played some games for sure in uh, trying to use it as a counterweight to the PLO, which was people forget in the second intifada, PLO killed I don't know, thousand, three hundred, four hundred Jews themselves with a string of bombings and, 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 and attacks. Um, that's probably not smart to do, but it, you know, it's easy to talk about that now. At the time, they were dealing with one enemy, and there was another more, what, what, what seemingly less violent group as a counterweight politically. As soon as it became a ter- known that it was going to be a terrorist organization, Israel began, you know, assassinating its leaders. I mean, I don't understand what people want them to do. If they shut down every organization that, that pops up that says, you know, that that pops up, then they're acting, you know, then it's apartheid, then right. they're against speech, then they're this and that. But yet, uh, they're supposed to see into the future and know that Hamas is going to become this group. And by the way, as others have pointed out, if it wasn't Hamas, it would be some other group with some other name that would be doing the same thing. It's not really the group's name that it's important. It's that in the 70s and 80s, fundamentalist Islam you know, ran rampant across the Islamic world. It upended the, the national, the nationalistic ideas of Palestinian state, this and that, um, and took over and is now a fundamentalist religious organization, violent one that in its charter says exactly what it wants to do. No real surprise uh, or, you know, there. Right. So it starts off with these noble intentions, just, you know, mosques and hospitals and clinics, and we're just praying a lot and, uh, we're just, you know, we're a religious organization. It's not that big of a deal. I don't know why anybody cares. And what, Israel sees this, you called it a counterbalance or a counterweight to the PLO. Because what, the was was the PLO operating in Gaza at the same time? Or because I know, like, later on, didn't they turn into, didn't they turn into Fatah? And then they, they and then now they don't get along either? Yeah, I mean, the, the Fatah, Fatah is PLO. It's the same thing. It's whitewashing, basically. But it's like political arm of the, you know, the militant. PLO, but in in 2005, or is it, I get I get the it might be six, whatever. In 2005, Israel handed autonomy over to the Palestinians in Gaza. Israel has no interest really in Gaza. 
to be, you know, it's not like the West Bank where we're, we, you know, there's this deep his, Jewish history, not to say there's no Jewish history in Gaza, but they don't really care about it. And they gave autonomy to test run a, a state. And the first thing the people did was elect Hamas over Fatah. They started throwing Fatah people out of, off of, you know, out of windows. <laughs> And, you know, and executing them, and they took over. And that's exactly, by the way, what they would do in the West Bank if they were given a state there. Only in July, Fatah and Hamas were talking about a unity government. The people who came over and killed babies and elderly and all that, they are the people who will be running that country. And that the, Israel should never give it a state. Um, and no normal, civilized place would ever create a state like that right on its border or anywhere. No. No, and so and uh, I've seen sort of the political gaming out of this as uh, that this was done in order to uh, to sink this new relationship that was building between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and to try to undermine the work that was done to kind of normalize relations between these other Arab countries and Israel. Do you do you think there's any uh, any truth to that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, Iran is happy to send, you know, the Shia radicals of Iran are happy to send Sunni civilians to their death. They don't care. For them, it undermines the, the, the potential Saudi relationship with Israel. Um, it, 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 you know, it, it creates, you know, a, a, a very tense warlike situation there that it doesn't, you know, it's not going, no one's throwing missiles at it. You know, it has Hezbollah in the north as well. With real missiles, about a hundred thousand of them, it's a far more dangerous situation in the long run. So, yeah, I think that that's true. There is no way on earth. Listen, I'm not some. I'm not an ex. I mean, I'm not you know some expert. I mean, I think I have some expertise on it, but I'm not an expert. Um, but Hamas cannot pull off a, 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 you know this a, an operation of this scale without logistical and funding help from Iran. It's just impossible. And no one else gave it that. Maybe Qatar a little, I don't know, but Iran for sure. Yeah. David Arsani, senior editor at The Federalist, uh, also nationally syndicated columnist, uh, author of five books, and uh, co-host of Your Wrong podcast with Molly Hemingway. Thank you for your time today, sir. I appreciate it. Good to talk with you again. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. God bless. Take care. Hey, so real quick, hurricane season is here, and this is your reminder to check your emergency supplies. You should have a three-day supply of food, water, and medicines, minimum. And Carolina Readiness Supply can help you get started or expand your supply. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies too, because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you can use for any kind of emergency. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply, will you be ready when the lights go out? All right. Thanks again to David Harsani from The Federalist for joining me. Um, and I, I guess it was coincidental or maybe he was seeing the same things that I was seeing, but I had pulled a couple of these stories and I had done some reading on it. And it's it's pretty amazing. This is how it's a really good example of uh, of narrative crafting in real time. And I, I understand that a lot of people don't have the luxury or dare I call it privilege. They don't have the luxury of being able to watch this stuff unfold over the course of a couple of hours or days, however long it takes to craft the narrative, um, because you're, you're, you're leading productive lives, unlike me, you know? 
you're doing stuff. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> I'm just watching news and social media and just constantly reading and researching and stuff. But for most people, they'll see the finished product or you know the conventional wisdom expressed in a headline or something or on a uh, on a news show and there's a level of trust there that you're not being steered wrong by the people that you rely on to give you news and information. So when I come across this, this is out of the Times of Israel. It's an op-ed by Tal Schneider. And this was from October 8th. So right after, right after the massacre in, uh, in Israel. And she says the premier's policy of treating the terror group, she's talking about Benjamin Netanyahu. And by the way, the sentiment that I get, the context I get is that she doesn't like Netanyahu. And I don't know what the politics over in Israel are. I really don't. I, I don't bother to know because it's not my country, right? Um, but I get the suspicion she doesn't like Netanyahu, and I suspect it might be because she she believes he either is not tough enough or is too tough. I don't know. It's a it's, there's a blame Bibby uh, vibe going through this piece. But the argument is that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's policy of treating Hamas as a partner at the expense of Mahmoud Abbas and Palestinian statehood has resulted in wounds that will take Israel years to heal from. That's the subhead. So I get the sense that she would prefer Fatah over in the West Bank, which is the PLO, right? And that's led by Mahmoud Abbas. It's, and they're separate from Hamas because Hamas beat them in the election and then murdered them. So they all went over to the West Bank because the Palestinians apparently are into genociding each other um, when they lose elections. So they're in the West Bank. And so Netanyahu has supposedly to her has been treating the terror group as a partner at the expense of the West Bank group, Fatah. So this op-ed by Tal Schneider at the Times of Israel starts off that for years, the various governments led by Benjamin Netanyahu took an approach that divided power between the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, bringing Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas to his knees while making moves that propped up the Hamas terror group. The idea was to prevent Abbas or anyone else in the Palestinian Authority's West Bank government from advancing towards the establishment of a Palestinian state. Thus, amid this, so in other words, they're trying to stop the PLO or the PAL or Fatah, it's all the same group, like, got to stop them from getting their own state, from getting their own government, because if they were to do that, they haven't their you know, charter as well. They, they want all of the Jews to die, river to the sea, all of that. So in order to, in order to fight against them, they took a hands-off approach on Hamas at, at best. Thus, amid this bid to impair Abbas, Hamas was upgraded from a mere terror group to an organization with which Israel held indirect negotiations via Egypt and one that was allowed to receive infusions of cash from abroad. By the way, remember all of the international pressure on Israel to do these things, too. Hamas was also included in discussions about increasing the number of work permits Israel granted to Gazan laborers, 
which kept money flowing into Gaza, meaning food for families and the ability to purchase basic products. Worst applied, uh, applied, worst apartheid ever. Really, seriously, this is not the way you apartheid people. I don't know what Israel's thinking. So they get work, they get these work permits that let them come into Israel where they can work, get more money that flows back into Gaza, which helps the people that are living there. Also allowing some, I guess not everything is blockaded because they were getting stuff in from Egypt and from other countries. They were getting money. They built luxury apartments. They had some really nice structures. I mean, before, uh, you know, before this week, I think a lot of them are, are not going to be so nice anymore. Um, since Netanyahu returned to power back in January of 2023, this year, the number of work permits has now soared to 20,000. Also, since 2014, different governments led by Netanyahu, because he's gone kind of in and out of power, because, again, the, the politics over there is crazy. Um, and they got, like, this parliamentary system with the coalitions, and they're constantly, like, going through these upheavals and stuff. Um, she says that, Netanyahu's governments have practically turned a blind eye to the incendiary balloons and rocket fire from Gaza. Meanwhile, Israel has allowed suitcases holding millions in Qatari cash to enter Gaza through its crossing since 2018 in order to maintain its fragile ceasefire with the Hamas rulers of the Gaza Strip. You got to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's the 10th paragraph in on this story. And that's the explanation right there. And when I'm reading this, because at first I'm reading through, I'm like, wow, why would, why would he be doing this? Okay, counterbalance to, uh, to the PLO or, and uh, Palestinian Authority, President Mahmoud Abbas. Okay, but he's like turning a blind eye to all this. Although I do remember like the Netanyahu government going after Hamas on a couple of occasions, and then they get yelled at, and then they you know pull back and stuff. This is the same pattern we're seeing now. Um, but right there is the explanation. In order to maintain a fragile ceasefire. So in other words, they've been letting Hamas do stuff because they're trying to prevent an all-out war, which is not the thing you would do if you are bent on genocide. If you're bent on genocide, I would submit you would do the thing that Hamas just did. According to various reports, Netanyahu made a similar point at a Likud faction meeting in early 2019. He got quoted as saying that those who oppose a Palestinian state should support the transfer of funds to Gaza because maintaining the separation between the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank and Hamas in Gaza would prevent the establishment of a Palestinian state. Okay, so now she's blaming, I guess this is part of the argument, is that they don't want a two-state solution, even though Israel has offered Palestine, quote-unquote, as a separate state, give you your own country. All you got to do is, you know, not try to murder us all the time. The Arabs, a.k.a. the Palestinians, because they are all Arabs, the Arabs that, you know, are in that area, that Palestine was never a country, but they've been offered this country, they've been offered a state I think four times, five times over like 60 or 70 years. And they always say, no, we got to kill more Jews. That's bolstered by this policy. Hamas grew stronger and stronger 
one thing is clear, the concept of indirectly strengthening Hamas while tolerating sporadic attacks and minor military operations every few years went up in smoke Saturday. Okay, so that's the policy that she's attributing to the Netanyahu governments over the course of the last, you know, what, 10 years or so. That this, the, the approach was tolerate sporadic attacks and then do minor military operations, and you only have to do that every few years. And that went up in smoke because Hamas became stronger and used the auspices of peace that Israelis so longed for as cover for its training. And hundreds of Israelis have paid with their lives for this massive omission. So now it sounds like she's saying just obliterate Hamas, that that Bibi was not strong enough. Then there's another article that's been making the rounds. This one came out of the Wall Street Journal, but it's from 2009, so 14 years ago. And uh, it says, Surveying the wreckage of a neighbor's bungalow hit by a Palestinian rocket, retired Israeli official Avner Cohen traces the missile's trajectory back to, quote, an enormous stupid mistake made 30 years ago. Quote, Hamas, to my great regret, is Israel's creation. And that's the line that's getting all of the uh, all of the coverage that's getting regurgitated and promoted. See that? Look, this is he's a Tunisian born Jew who worked in Gaza for more than two decades. He's a retired Israeli official. And he says Hamas is Israel's creation. Because they right, because they didn't wipe him out. That's what that's what the piece says, because they allowed this group that was behaving peacefully at first, they allowed it to exist. And so for that, I guess 1,200 plus Israelis needed to be, you know, shot and burned alive and beheaded and raped. I guess that's the, it's, it's the Jews' fault that this happened to them, right? The skirt they were wearing was a little too short, I guess. Is that the idea? All right, you may have noticed that I've been helping the Alzheimer's Association of Western North Carolina for a while, and it's a great organization. they got awesome people with huge hearts. My grandfather died of Alzheimer's when I was a kid, and back then there wasn't a lot of support for caregivers and family. Now, things are different today thanks to the work of the Alzheimer's Association. It's why I support them. Every year we do a series of walks all over the country. There are a bunch in the Carolinas. You can go to alz.org slash walk for a walk to end Alzheimer's near you. This month, there are walks in Hendersonville, Rock Hill, Mooresville, Greenville. And in October, we got Charlotte, Gastonia, Asheville, Kannapolis, Hickory, and Spartanburg. Go to alz.org for all of the dates and locations. We're closer than ever to stopping Alzheimer's, and we're asking if you can help us get there. Will you walk with me for a different future for families? For more time, for treatments, this is why we walk. So this Wall Street Journal article from uh, 14 years ago says that uh, it quotes a, a retired Israeli official as saying, you know, to my regret, Hamas is Israel's creation. Responsible for religious affairs in the region until 1994, Mr. Cohen watched the Islamist movement take shape, muscle aside secular Palestinian rivals, and then morph into what is today Hamas, a militant group that is sworn to Israel's destruction. But let's be fair. I mean, like every single Arab organization from the last, you know, 60 years, they're all kind of sworn to Israel's destruction, too. So as David Arsani writes, you can't just go or Israel cannot just go around and 
and assassinate all the leaders of every single Arab organization that calls for its destruction, because that would be like every single one of them. So um, he says that uh, for years, Israel tolerated and in some cases encouraged Hamas as a counterweight to the secular nationalists of the PLO. Because remember, 40 years ago, the Islamists were going, uh, Islam means peace. Islam is peace. And they weren't this secular nationalist kind of uh, ideology. And so they, oh, okay, well, you just want to build some clinics? Oh, you're helping the poor? Oh, you're just a devout Muslim? Oh, fantastic. We'll just ignore you. And you can act as a counterweight to these these crazy people that kidnapped, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, Olympic athletes and murdered them in Munich, right? Israel cooperated with a crippled, half-blind cleric named Sheikh Ahmed Yassin, even after he was laying the foundations for what would become Hamas. President Obama said at the time of this article that uh, that lasting calm, quote, requires more than a long ceasefire and depends on Israel and a future Palestinian state living side by side in peace and security. A look at Israel's decades long dealings with Palestinian radicals, including some little known attempts to cooperate with the Islamists, reveals a catalog of unintended and often perilous consequences time and again Israel's efforts to find a pliant Palestinian partner that is both credible with Palestinians and willing to eschew violence. Their efforts have backfired. Would-be partners have turned into foes or they lost the support of their own people. So what, what is this narrative that we're seeing crafted right now that Israel is to blame for Hamas? It is that Israel tried to work with them. Israel tried to give them territory, give them credibility, tried to find somebody that's like not trying to murder them all. And every time throughout their history, apparently, they get stabbed in the back. <laughs> every time you get these organizations come along and, oh, oh sorry, you misread us. Yeah, we, we want to kill you too. Um, David Harsani's piece at thefederalist.com. He says, Israel was largely indifferent to Hamas, one of the many theocratic groups appearing at the time. When created, Hamas was best known for building medical centers and offering welfare services, and most of their funding came from foreign sources. Jordan, probably the group's biggest patron, saw Hamas as a way to influence the politics of the West Bank, quote-unquote, or Judea and Samaria. Like the West Bank is called the West Bank because it's on the West Bank of Jordan, but it's not in Jordan because they lost it when they tried to kill all the Jews and the Jews beat them and got the land. And so that river now divides them, but they don't really even want it back. Jordan doesn't want the Palestinians, the Lebanese. They don't want them. The, the Egyptians, they don't want them. Nobody, nobody wants this group of Arabs. They are used as the knife to wield against Israel. And it's a, it's a pressure release valve for them when their uh, population gets angry at the lack of opportunity and economic development and, and quality of life in their own country. They blame the Jews for something and the Palestinians serve in that role. That is their function for much of the Arab world. Don't blame me. I didn't start this. I didn't create this dynamic. This is the way it's been for a while, though. Thank <laughs> you.